Research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power. I'm joined, as always, by Eric Eggers, vice president of the Government Accountability Institute and author of the book Fraud. Eric, great to be here with you back on the soil in Florida after our recent trip to New York. Yeah, what were we doing in New York? I forget. It was all a blur to you, huh? Yeah. No, we are uh, very fortunate to be able to guest host the Sean Hannity show. They asked us to fill in because, you know, Sean's taking some time over the Christmas holidays. So very much appreciate that opportunity. It was a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of good time to it was. connect with, you know, a, a broadcast experience. Where you get to take calls, right? Where yes. Unlike in the podcast where only your imagined voices <laughs> <laughs> from your legion of the fans. voices in my head. That's right. Nationwide. <laughs> like, I think I'm hearing from somebody. No, it was a lot of fun, but it is nice to be back in the state of Florida where the weather is warmer and the taxes are lower. That's right. I mean, here's the interesting thing. We went up to uh, to New York for a day, but all, recently a lot of the traffic has been heading from New York and New Jersey and high-tax states down to Florida or on the West Coast from California to places like Texas. And so, you know, it might be the holiday season, but, you know, once we get through the holidays, people are going to have to start thinking about paying their taxes. And it's a sort of issue that never seems to go away. Uh, you have these pitched battles about people, quote unquote, paying their fair share, which is never to, never defined. But recently, Eric, there was a dust up between Elon Musk, arguably the richest man on the planet. I don't think it's arguably. I think it is like he is he is the title belt holder, as it were. Yeah, right? at least uh, as far as disclosed assets and, are concerned. Until right? Jeff Bezos like sneaks in the ring and hits him with a chair <laughs> yeah, and then takes right, it and like, right. holds it up. Exactly. Know? But uh, this battle between Elon Musk um, and Senator Elizabeth Warren on taxes. Eric, what was that squabble about? And you can kind of lay it out for us. Yeah, I think we have some sound that we'll get to in just a second. But basically, Elon Musk was named Times Person of the Year. Yeah. Uh, for you know, variety of reasons, had a good year. You know, Tesla's killing it. The SpaceX thing is doing very well. And then uh, Elizabeth Warren, you know, jumps in. Speaking of wrestling metaphors, off the top rope on Twitter and tweets, "quote Let's change the rig tax code so the person of the year will actually pay taxes and stop freeloading off of everyone else." <laughs> right now, um, you know, this is what happens on on Twitter, and I know you're one of the more aggressive, you know, antagonists on the platform, so you you get this. But really, no, no you're not. But then Elon <laughs> Musk says, "Hey, stop." projecting and then linked to a Fox News column calling Warren a fraud. And he said, quote, you remind me of when I was a kid and my friend's uh -oh. angry mom would just yell randomly at everyone for no reason. Please don't call the manager on me, Senator Karen. <laughs> now, that's sort of a loaded term for a variety of reasons, uh, because Karen, as some people know, is a term that 
African Americans came up with to talk about like whiny and nosy white women. Oh, I didn't know that. Who are predisposed to call the police on African Americans. Okay. And sort of the irony is, is that Elon Musk was actually born in South Africa. So technically one might consider him an African American. Yeah. You go ahead and go with that. You'll, well, I'm just saying it depends on you know, the thing. So he's kind of gotten in trouble for cultural appropriation. Uh, and then, uh, you know, then there was some more back and forth, but Elizabeth Warren was actually asked about this back and forth uh, with Elon Musk and, and had some interesting comments. I want to just give you an opportunity to respond to Elon Musk attacking you on social media. (laughs) The world's richest freeloader evidently has a very thin skin. But you know the part that really makes me angry about this? It's on behalf of every public school teacher, every waitress, every computer programmer, every street cleaner who actually paid taxes And that means they paid more than Elon Musk did in federal income taxes. And that's just not right. And it means the system is broken. I, I, along with many others, am trying to fix that. But the days when these guys not only get to rake it all in, but then rub everybody else's nose in it while they head off into outer space and declare how they did this all on their own when they were subsidized by the federal government and subsidized by every waitress and by every public school teacher who paid their taxes. This is wrong. And Elon Musk needs to eat a big dish of that. Oh, my. Well, listen, uh, this is a battle between Elon Musk and Senator Elizabeth Warren. I'm not a particular fan of either one. Uh, when I was younger, I had a friend who was an avid sports fan. And there was a time when we were watching a football game and there were two teams playing. And I forget who they were, two NFL teams that he absolutely hated. He hated both of them. And I said, who are you rooting for? And he said, I'm rooting for injuries. <laughs> so I'm not rooting for injuries between Elizabeth Warren and Elon Musk. But there is a lot of problems. Problems on both sides of this equation. Um, you know, certainly uh, Elizabeth Warren, she's talking about street cleaners and, uh, you know, all the downtrodden. Uh, of course, a reminder would be that um, she created a lot of her wealth by buying foreclosed homes on people for pennies on the dollar. Uh oh, Schwartz has got the receipts, Liz. Oh, Get ready. absolutely. Absolutely. This is in my book, Profiles in Corruption, about Elizabeth flex. Warren. But the point but the point is, is that that, you know, Elizabeth Warren has done this and to talk about she represents the downtrodden. Let's remember she was pulling in like $400,000 a year teaching one class at Harvard Law School. And why did she get that class at Harvard Law School, by the way? Uh... Well, she's, you know, got the little Native American. Kind oh, of yes, that's right. That's right? exactly right. The native she was I mean, listed as the Native American minority. I mean, the uh, list of uh, white, white female lawyers, right, versus the uh, Native American lawyer potentially open for that faculty job was a little bit different. That that would be true. So, so, she's, so got that. she's also had some challenges in terms of, um, you know, she's made a decent amount of money selling books. Right. Yes, she has and there's been an analysis that they actually spend campaign funds to purchase those books. Imagine that. Right. Yeah. But and Elon Musk, to his credit, uh, you know, he did pay. He's not exactly freeloading off the backs of teachers. <laughs> he did, as he pointed out on Twitter, subsequently, he'll pay $11 billion. In with taxes, a B. That's with, with a, a B. B. Yeah. So $11 billion in taxes. Uh, there have been years previously when I think he was technically didn't pay any taxes. And that's because there's a variety of schemes that people right. in that strata use. They take loans off of assets. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty clever, really. Yeah. But he also, I mean, he's not the swashbuckling <laughs> capitalist who did it all by himself. There are, there 
are plenty of those in the United States. Uh, Elon Musk really isn't one of them. I mean, he actually got some federal government help, right, to to launch his uh, business empire. Yeah, it's really funny because if you go on the Tesla website, they tout the fact that they paid off this loan in 2013, but they they did. They received a $465 million loan from the Obama Department of Energy in 2010. The company was struggling. Um, you know, they point out on the website that, well, hey, this program was signed into law by President Bush in 2008 and then awarded under the Obama administration. It's funny to think about Bush creating this program because, you know, it reminded me of, remember when gas was like crazy expensive? It was up there in the $4 range. Yeah. And now it's like, Oh, wait, we're sort of back to that now, actually. <laughs> right. Um, but they they liked it. Tesla. You know, Elon Musk doesn't mind throwing some elbows. That's one thing I do like about it. He may have taken some federal tax subsidies and put an Obama bun on his board, maybe to help him receive those oh, yeah. tax subsidies in 2010. But uh, as they say on the Tesla website, quote, this program is often confused with the financial bailouts provided to then bankrupt GM and Chrysler who are ineligible for the program because the requirement was that the program have to be in good financial health. So right, right. Like, we're not like these other guys. That, right. This is a loan that we paid off. Right. Exactly. So, you know, the point is, is that, look, uh, Elon Musk is not the swashbuckling capitalist that he claims to be. Um, Elizabeth Warren is not the populist uh, a person of the people, Native American of the people that she pretends to be. Um, and this happens a lot of times in tax debates. Of course, taxes are kind of at the origins of uh, the American uh, nation. I mean, it's one of the reasons we declared independence as a country. Um, You know, it's funny, the American war for independence was partly about, quote unquote, taxation without representation or consent. Uh, The story is that uh, when the British Chancellor of the Executor of the Exchequer at the time, Charles Townsend, heard about this complaint, he reportedly laughed and called it, quote unquote, perfect nonsense. The idea that Americans would uh, resent or reject the idea of being taxed without representation or consent. That's exactly right. We saw how that went for him and, and the rest of uh, rest of his team. America. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, today the debate is often about whether the wealthy are, quote unquote, pay, paying their fair share in taxes. Um, tax rates now are lower than they were historically. It's pretty wild, right? I mean, you always hear this debate about, hey, should we raise it? And the idea of lowering when Trump lowered the tax rate by a few percentage points, it was akin to this massive giveaway to millionaires and billionaires on the back of, as Elizabeth Warren pointed out, teachers and things. But it's just interesting to think about the context. And I know you would say, well, there, it's not exactly apples to apples for a couple of different reasons, but it's sort of wild to think that earlier in the 20th century, and especially up to during World War II, the top tax rate was 94%. Yep. And it stayed at 91% until 1964, until it dropped to 77%. So I'm looking forward to the Oliver Stone documentary about how JFK was really assassinated. <laughs> to so, cut taxes. So they could lower their marginal tax rate <laughs> right. from 91%. He'll to do that film, by the way. Oh, I, will, I will watch it. Uh, in fact, maybe that's next year's podcast. But uh, And then it went down to 70% until 1981. And then your guy, Ronald Reagan, gets yeah. in. And then taxes go down dramatically from 70% to 50%. And then down all the way to 28% in 1988. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, the low water mark. And what's interesting is... With these tax cuts, there was always more revenue. Right. And why is that? Because, you know, if, if you're paying 94% in taxes, what are you going to do? You're going to find tax-free places uh, to avoid paying that. Some of it's going to be tax evasion, which is illegal, right? You're ba- breaking the law. You're hiding assets. You're engaging in tra- cash transactions. Um, but then you've also got legitimate means of tax avoidance. Um, you know, if you're, you know, super wealthy 
and you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars and Elizabeth Warren jacks the tax rate tax rate up to 90 percent. What you're going to do is you're just going to put all your money into municipal bonds, which are tax free. And they're never going to tax those because otherwise people aren't going to, you know, buy municipal bonds because they don't pay that much interest. But that's what finances school construction, uh, you know, new um, utilities in communities around the country. So the point is, you can't simply say we're going to jack it up really high because people are going to move their assets illegally and legally to other areas. And that's why Elizabeth Warren's you know entire premise is so flawed. I just like that our listeners, not only for this free podcast, get inside of the political economy, but they get <laughs> free advice. tax evasion. <laughs> advice from Peter's legal tax evasion tax advice. avoidance not evasion my That's tax right. advice is a little bit different just cash the check <laughs> so you know it's interesting there's there's a lot of misinformation that people have about how much people pay in taxes i find this very interesting back in 2012 uh, barack obama wanted to raise income taxes for people earning over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year um it was popular they did a lot of surveys and polls and people found that they found that 69 percent of the american public supported this tax hike but here's where it gets interesting yeah the hill newspaper did a survey in february of 2012 asking them what tax rate they th- they th- you know believed that these wealthy people should be paying and they found that 75 percent wanted people in that highest income to pay 30 percent of their income in taxes here's the problem that was actually lower than the current rate, and it was actually much lower than the rate that Obama wanted to take it to. So the the bottom line is that many people supported increasing the tax rates on high earners because they didn't realize how high taxes already were. Yeah, conceptually, I support the idea that rich people should pay more, but then if you say, well, what about this percentage? Like, oh, no, not that much. No, like 30, right? Everybody's good with 30. That's right. And and this idea of fair share, it's subjective. That's why they like to use it. It's a kind of a meaningless notion. But the point is, is that the wealthy actually pay pay more of their incomes in taxes than the rest of us. Um, so the top fifth of households uh, got 50, 54% of all income, but they paid 69% of all federal taxes. The top 1% in America got 16% of the income and paid 25% in all federal taxes. This is according to the Congressional Budget Office last year. So the bottom line is the wealthy are paying taxes. There certainly are some out there that have very, uh, let's say, complex and creative schemes to avoid paying them. But the bottom line is there's a lot of mythology about taxes and there's a lot of people lying about what they really believe we should be doing in terms of tax policy. Well, Steve, you can believe this. And if taxes are like anything else, there's a lot of hysteria and fear mongering and active sort of engagement. that's kind of ginning up a lot of outrage. I mean, you hear from Democrat after Democrat about how the wealthy need to be paying more right. taxes. You want to be a billionaire and a millionaire? That's great. Good for you. But pay your fair share. It will be paid for. And that's the, the beauty of it, by having those in our, our economy and society who have not paid their fair share, paying their fair share. Start asking the people who have gained the most from our country to pay their fair share. That we plan to pay for this package by making the wealthy pay their fair share. And at a time when the very rich and large corporations are often not paying anything or very little in taxes, yeah, they're going to have to pay their fair share. The tax code's not fair. And so what Joe Biden wants to do is to say corporations should pay their fair share. People 
making over $400,000 a year, a very small percentage of the American population. He believes they should pay their fair share, and that also includes corporations. But all I'm asking is pay your fair share. Pay your fair share. Pay your fair share. The wealthy and the large corporations are going to have to start paying their fair share of taxes. By the way, we're not asking for high taxes. We're we're asking for a normal expectation that corporations and the wealthy will pay their fair share. The top 1%, the top 5%, the top 10%. It's about time those people pay their fair share. We're going to do it by having the wealthy pay their fair share and close the corporate loopholes. And it's all fully paid for by asking the top 1% and giant corporations to pay a fair share. You hear that not only the wealthy need to be paying taxes, but you also hear people claiming that they love to pay taxes, which is a lie and a joke. So let me just give you one example. Bill Clinton, when he was president of the United States, he gave a speech at the Rainbow Coalition. That's Jesse Jackson's thing. That's right. right. Jesse Jackson's thing. Jesse had some tax issues himself. His son had some tax issues. His, as yeah, well. his son is in jail because of some tax it's issues. A long line of tax issues coming from the old Rainbow Coalition. That's exactly right. But this is what Bill Clinton told the Rainbow Coalition I must be the only person in, in America that every time I pay the maximum tax rates, every time I sign that tax form, I smile. Are you buying that? Well, I do buy that. Apparently, given what we just laid out, that neither Jesse Jackson Jr. or Sr. is smiling when they signed the old tax rate. (laughs) So if the room was only Bill and the Jacksons, then maybe. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. Some researchers actually went back and said, how much did the Clintons actually pay in taxes? Did they pay the maximum amount, the maximum rate? And of course, going back to 1991, they found that the Clintons have actually paid about 7% less to the IRS than other Americans in their same income group. While most Americans in their bracket were paying 27% of their income in taxes, the Clintons were only paying 20%. Of course, there's a long history of tax avoidance, or you could even say of perhaps illegally avoiding taxes, um, which is, you know, for example, Hillary's famous $100,000 in cattle futures that she made in 1980. They never even claimed that on their taxes, which in my mind, was was uh, probably illegal. What do you mean? They just she just didn't disclose it. They just they just never claimed it. And then you, you, I think you also pointed out that um, you know we talked about Elon Musk and the the whole reason why Elon Musk is even doing the taxes this year, right, is because I think there's an expectation like he's claiming all these stock options, right? And so he's paying taxes off of the gains from the stock options he's gathering. And the reason why he's doing it this year as opposed to next year is because as his accountant is quoted in one of these uh, papers is saying like, no, I think they expect the tax rates to be much higher next year. Yeah, and so, so he's grabbing them this year. Exactly. So Elon Musk isn't the only one uh, who did that. Um, Bruce Springsteen, Mm -hmm. the boss, sold his music library for $500 million. Now, I must say, not that people look to me for um, for music criticism, Bruce Springsteen, in my mind, the single most overrated musician in America. The guy cannot sing. Well, I will say this. After having just been at our company or nonprofit (laughs) Christmas party on Friday, which featured karaoke and featured an enthusiastic participation in said karaoke by the president of government accountability. It did. Peter Schweitzer. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know that you have a ton of room to stand on <laughs> when it comes to leveling that particular critique. Because what I love about you, there's different ways to do karaoke, right? There's the okay, we're just kind of into it. But you adopt like, no, I'm into it, but I'm still like at a Presbyterian church karaoke stance. <laughs> if, if, if you're doing if you're doing something, you got to sort of throw yourself into it. And look. I don't like Bruce Springsteen's music in the sense that I, I don't think he has talent. But look, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people around the world do. The Rising is a great album. I'm yeah, just say and, that. and, you know, look, he he ha- had this music library that he owned. He sold it for five hundred million dollars, which is the single largest sale of a music library uh, in human history. What's interesting about this is, you know, a lot of people said, oh, this is great. The boss is getting his money. The question is, why did he do that? Well, by selling the music library for five hundred million dollars, it's going to be taxed as a capital gain, just Mm -hmm. like Elon Musk's taxes. So he's going to pay 20 percent on that five hundred million. If he had kept the music for himself and continued to get all these royalties as income, he would have been paying 37% uh, on that. So by selling the music library, uh, Bruce Springsteen not only is sharing it with the world, <laughs> he's also going to be able to keep a lot more of his money. And by the way, it's important he did it now at the end of this year uh, because his pal and the guy he supports politically, Joe Biden, is going to raise those capital gains if he has his way next year. I mean, that's the irony and the hypocritical reality of it is a lot of these people like Bruce Springsteen out there doing the exact same thing most Americans would do, yet at the same time supporting and actively encouraging and assisting the politicians that are trying to raise the tax rates to uh, get in the office, but then they take advantage of the steps to avoid them. Yeah, by the way, um, uh, that's not the only uh, scheme that Uh Bruce Springsteen. Now, Bruce Springsteen, obviously, man of the people, uh, very supportive of liberal causes. I mean, wears leather pants. So can he be a man of the people in leather pants? You tell me. That's a great question. We'll have to hold that for another another podcast. Um, But what's interesting about Bruce Springsteen is he has said this, that the wealthy aren't paying their fair share in taxes. They're stiffing the working class guy. Well, you know, Bruce Springsteen um, owns an estate, a 200 acre estate in New Jersey, um, and he pays has paid in the past very little in terms of property taxes. Now, I don't know about you. My property taxes in Florida are not bad, but Bruce Springsteen on his 200 acre estate paid a whopping four thousand six hundred dollars in property taxes in my house here in Tallahassee, which ain't that big. But it is referred to as an estate by the peasants you work with. So it is. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I pay more on my home in Tallahassee, Florida, than Bruce Springsteen pays on his 200 acre estate. And the, the way in which he does this is that he leases part of the estate to an organic farmer, <laughs> to an organic farmer. So he gets the entire estate designated as a agricultural property. And I love the um, editorial from the Burlington County Times, which is the local publication, which uh, described it this way, quote, Springsteen pulls this off by hiring a guy to grow organic vegetables on a few acres, triggering his steep tax discount. Let's see how much Bruce pays under the revised law. In other words, they were going to change the law to get rid of this loophole. When he gets his bill, he might consider covering the Beatles tax man. (laughs) So here's the bottom line. Let's get rid of the sort of sermonizing and the moralizing, um, the claims that, um, you know, I love to pay more taxes. 
basically tax policy is often about getting other people to pay more taxes, um, not focusing on yourself. And let's, you know, look at the Rolling Stones, who, in my mind, actually are a talented music act, unlike Bruce Springsteen. That is really interesting. <laughs> because, like, is Mick Jagger known for his, like, vocal harmonizing capacity? Compared to Springsteen, I mean, he could sing opera, as far as I'm concerned. But look, when the Rolling Stones in 1971 left England for the United States, um, they were pretty clear about it. Uh, and they were asked about this several years later. Um, and they said, in 1971, we were forced to make a decision courtesy of the British government, live in England, and because of the high taxes, not be able to afford another set of guitar strings. Mm. Probably wasn't quite that bad. But the point is... Well, I do have it under pretty good authority that Keith Richards did have some disposable income given his recreational pharmaceutical <laughs> habit. But. Yes, he, he probably did. But the bottom line is, and this is something we're seeing in the United States. The Rolling Stones did it in 71. You're seeing it in the United States. People can vote with their feet. Yep. Right. And that's the bottom line. This notion that you are going to kind of stick it to the rich. What's going to happen is they're going to put them in municipal bonds or they're going to set up overseas businesses. These are legal ways to avoid paying taxes. And the sort of moralizing that we see from Elizabeth Warren and so many people on the political left about it. Let's bottom line look at the fact that they don't like paying taxes either. People like the Clintons and Elizabeth Warren and Bruce Springsteen come up with all kinds of schemes that are legal uh, to avoid paying them as well. So let's get off our moral high horse and start stop lecturing other people about paying taxes. Yeah, and maybe learn a lesson like why did Elon Musk recently move the headquarters of Tesla from California and Silicon Valley to Texas. That's right? right. What's the biggest differentiator there? Taxes. Yeah. And by the way, Google has set up offices in Texas and elsewhere, right? So, I mean, they're not the only ones. And I think eventually, given, as we just say, the, the, the way the country's set up is these laboratories of democracy, lots, lots of different opportunities for different experiences, cultural, political, and financial. Um, I think that's the be best thing, right? And that's the great equation that Tesla gets to figure out. Do we have as good of access to talent right. and the recipe and the ingredients we need, right, to be a successful business without having to pay crazy taxes? Elon Musk, you know, who only has figured out how to recycle rockets, seems to have figured out <laughs> right. that, that that makes the most sense for their company. That's exactly right. People get incentivized. So uh, we are uh, recording this in December. Yep. Your taxes are due in April. When are you going to start working on your taxes? I literally got an email from my accountant uh, yesterday asking about some tax planning stuff. So, dude, it, no, Eggers Enterprises is always grinding on that stuff. <laughs> is it is it Eric Eggers Global Enterprises? I mean, let's, you know, we're not, we're not gonna disclose too much personal <laughs> tax information. Yeah, the IRS is probably listening. And, and by the way, there's a long history of the IRS using the tax code as a weapon. Right. Um, you know, FDR went after Andrew Mellon, who was a former Treasury Secretary Republican who, who was critical of him. Rich Richard Nixon certainly had his enemies list. So the bottom line is when you empower the IRS to take more of people's money, when you make the tax code complex, they're going to use it against people. And oh, by the way, they're staffing up, right? We've seen stories about, we talked to Jason Chaffetz about that a couple weeks ago, the rise of the regulator and the IRS is increasing in its capacity. And we have not too long ago under the last Democratic administration, seeing them actively target conservative nonprofits and go after people of particular political ideology. So yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, everybody, for, That's for right. listening to this. Yeah. Uh, but all, all you need to know is so far, there are a group of people in the country who want to defund the police and hire more IRS agents. At mm. the same time.
Not a good place. Well, listen, you've been uh, here with Peter Schweitzer and Eric Eggers. Uh, this is The Drill Down, and you can find more episodes at thedrilldown.com. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs>